we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. So I urge Mr. Ford not only to change up his education minister with a new mandate, but to cancel his trip to Washington and stay here at home to make sure that the issues in education are resolved and we can keep our kids in the classrooms going forward. All right, that was Andrea Horvath, and I'm going to skip ahead. We're going to actually deal with the uh, whole file dealing with the education uh the strikes by the teachers' unions and the Ford government uh, having dug in their heels. Uh, Andrea Horvath has joined us on the line, leader of the official opposition in the legislature, to uh, address what exactly uh, is going on and her thoughts on the matter. Ms. Horvath, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. My pleasure, John. How are you? Very good. Now, the clip we just played, uh, you're alluding to wanting to see the Minister Lecce fired. Why is that? Well, I mean, it seems clear to me that there's a, a toxic environment that exists currently, uh, that uh, the impasse uh, uh, continues to get worse and not better. Uh, and what um, Mr. Ford needs to do is, I think, what is the obvious thing, which is get the cuts off the table and allow the other issues to go then to the bargaining table to get a resolution so our kids can go back to school. All right. And so how does this implicate Minister Lecce? Well, I mean, Mr. Minister Lecce has been kind of at the helm for some time now. Uh, some of the, you know, the to and fro, if you will, some of the, the uh, government um, rhetoric that's been coming out uh, is, um, you know, is attributable to him, which is uh, why I'm saying uh, that it, I don't think it's productive for him to stay on the file. I mean, he, after having created the environment that he's created with these, uh, you know, press conferences that he holds, um, it's it's hard to, you know, to reestablish some uh, uh, some kind of a path forward. So it's not just a matter of getting Mr. Lecce off the file, but it's actually changing the mandate of the of the minister that would be coming in uh, to follow him. In other words, a mandate of getting the cuts off the table and negotiating uh, the rest of the issues. All right. Well, then that does sound like it's almost a part of a negotiation. You get rid of one of the negotiators. I mean, is one side more virtuous than the other in your mind? Uh, well, what I'm saying is that uh, that the you know there's no doubt that uh, this um, this entire situation uh, stems from uh, you know choices and decisions that Mr. Ford has made that our premier has made. Um, he has certainly been the one giving the marching orders to Mr. Lecce, uh, the minister. But uh, that, then that means that it's up to up to Doug Ford uh, to fix the the situation that we have to 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 find the path forward uh, to a settlement. And I, I believe that the best way to do that is to be clear about getting the cuts off the table and sending a new minister in with that new mandate. Again, Andrea Horvath is with us, a leader of the official opposition. Now, uh, we were told by Sam Hammond uh, that I guess just yesterday uh, the union was close to a deal with the government uh, late last week. 
and then suddenly he says the goalposts were moved. Do you have any inside knowledge as to what might have been taking place? Uh, no, I, I, but I was really disappointed to hear that because um, if, in fact, you're getting close to, the de- close to a deal, the last thing you want to do is upset the apple cart. So I've only heard exactly what you've heard. I, I haven't spoken to, uh, uh, to anybody that was at that table um, and, and, you know, um, experiencing those events. But, um, um, you know, I, it's extremely disappointing. And, and I think all parties, um, you know, whether, it's, whether you're a student, whether you're a family member, a parent, uh, whether you're an education worker or teacher, whether you're on the government side, I mean, to see, um, you know, that progress was being made only to, um, you know, have victory pulled, uh, have a defeat pulled out of the jaws of victory, that's that's troubling. Andrea, is that 2% sacrosanct? I mean, uh, when I was talking to Harvey Bischoff last week in this program, and I just blew skying with him, said, maybe, you know, if they moved on the teacher-to-student ratio uh, slightly, eliminated the two mandatory online e-courses, uh, you know, or at least put it on ice for now, brought it in more gradually instead of imposing it in two years down the road. Uh, He said that would break the logjam. But then again, he reverted to the 2% as being something that was non-negotiable. Shouldn't it be, though? I mean, because the government's already passed legislation. I know it's being contested at the 1% cap on public service wages. Yeah, I mean, and, and it is being contested, and so we'll see in, in uh, you know months down the road, maybe years, um, you know what happens there. I think I think it's going to be squashed, but that's um, that's just my opinion based on what I've seen in the past. Having said that, you know I, I don't know the specifics of of what's happening at the bargaining table, but I think what everybody has become very aware of is the the sticking points that you raised initially, the the issue of the class sizes, uh, the issue of the uh, mandatory online learning. Um, there are issues around. Uh, you know, uh, special supports for kids at risk and for kids who need extra you know, uh, learning uh, uh, aids and help uh, uh, to, you know, to meet their potential. I mean, I think these are the things uh, that um, that I'm hearing from uh, from the the various uh, unions or the various representatives of of the education workers that uh, that they want off the table. Uh, and when those cuts come off the table, uh, I think as Harvey has intimated, um, then then the other issues can be settled uh, through the negotiations process. Well, don't we have a deficit to slay, though? And I mean, when we hear about a hallway medicine and uh, when the mayor in Brampton is calling it a health emergency uh, because uh, more than half of a year is now uh, seeing people languishing in hallways and dying in hallways. I mean, this is also a priority, and some would even submit that it's uh, more of a priority. We've got to triage the health care system, uh, even if before uh, we had advance on the, the education front. Where would all the money come from for this if we don't hold the line on spending in certain areas? Well, I mean, I think it's really clear that the reasons behind the cuts in the first place is to save money on the backs of students. And, you know, I mean, why else would Mr. Ford raise the class sizes and make e-learning a mandatory, uh, you know, requirement of graduation if it wasn't, you know, to, uh, you know, to cut, cut back in expenses? But that might be Mr. Ford's priority, but certainly none of the parents that I've spoken to think that these kinds of cuts are a good idea. Look, what we need to do is invest in education and in health care, for that matter, I don't think we should be pitting, you know, one priority against another when it comes to some of the two most, I think, most important of all public services. You know, well-educated and healthy population, it's, it's the best possible return on investment for public dollars. And so, you know, and, and we shouldn't be saying, you know, uh, cuts should be made on the backs of our kids, and we shouldn't be saying um, that our world-class health care system uh, should be suffering, uh, you know, so the government can, uh, you know, can implement um, 
cost savings. But if you lower the labor component, my understanding is uh, 50%, if not more, of the education budget goes towards teacher salaries. Uh, isn't that an area that you might want to rein in? Already they're the most comp- the best compensated in the country uh, and with their benefits and all. You know, and many people in the privates have expressed to me on this program umpteen times that uh, they think uh, making demands even to 2% uh, is something that nobody in the private sector or not many in the private sector are enjoying. So uh, a lot of people see that as being an area that is negotiable. Well, I mean, again, I, I'm not um, I'm not someone who has the all of the, the figures. Uh, my understanding is that the average wage increase in the private sector uh, last year was, um, you know, was 2.9%. So, again, I, I think the, the, the thing that we have to remember is uh, education is delivered by people. Um, people, you know, deserve to get paid for the work that they do. And, and I think that uh, acknowledging that and recognizing that uh, and providing, a, you know, a fair deal for those workers is, is, is the right uh, place to be in, uh, because the last thing we want to do is see uh, teachers, uh, you know, abandoning the profession. What, the last thing we want to see uh, is us not having an opportunity uh, to continue to build a great uh, public education system in this province, and one that's, you know, that is accessible for all kids. You know, the kids that are, you know, have uh, having challenges, the kids that are at risk, the kids that need, you know, special uh, educational supports. I mean, these are our kids that are you know, part of our community and part of our families, and, and we need to um, remember that providing, you know, the, the supports that they need helps them uh, to be able to build a, a life for themselves, and that should be a positive goal for all of us. So, you know, I, I think a lot of numbers get bandied about uh, in terms of salaries and increases, and these are the things that need to be discussed and hammered out at the bargaining table, but I don't think you're going to get to them um, unless you deal with the cuts that are already uh, kind of stymieing the process, right? So the things like uh, larger class sizes uh, and, and things like mandatory uh, online e-learning. I mean, these are the pieces I think that have to go uh, for the uh, you know for the process to move forward. All right. When you say cuts, uh, the government, needless to say, would dispute that. They say there's actually a greater infusion of cash. But I, let me move on because I've got just a couple of other things I wanted to ask you. If in your mind one union settles, do they all? Oh, I really don't know. I mean, I think each one has a different process, mm-hmm. um, and each agreement is a different agreement. So I, I think it would it would be determined by you know whether the um, you know the various uh, you know agreements that are being negotiated uh, are able to reach positive conclusions. So I, I really can't answer that question. But then let me ask you finally: uh, full page ad taken out in the major dailies, and I know your own member there, uh, Mr. Natishik is uh, looking into, I guess, the Ad Council and the legality of it. Do you think there's anything illegal about, say, an anonymous donor uh, or individual taking out an anti-union ad? Uh, well, I don't think it's uh, so much that. I think it breaks the uh, rules around advertisements during election periods. And, of course, we have uh, two by-elections that are happening here in Ottawa, uh, you know, in, in Ottawa here in uh, Ontario. So uh, any kind of uh, third-party advertising, there's some strict rules around that, uh, which this a particular uh, group seems to have breached, and that's why we're asking for Elections Ontario to look into it. Uh, but the other thing is, yeah, I mean, I, as an Ontarian, I, I think it's kind of um, sketchy to have this unnamed group, this kind of shadow shell organization, uh, engaging in, uh, you know, uh, political type of uh, advertising and with nobody knowing who they are or, or where they raise the money. I mean, it could be hundreds of, of thousands of dollars that uh, that was spent on these ads, and I think Ontarians deserve to know who's behind them. 
and yet, ironically, uh, the papers took their money, including the Toronto Star, so I don't know. Uh, maybe we can take it up with them. Andrea, i got to let you go on that note. I appreciate your weighing in on this matter. All right. My pleasure. Thanks, John. Take care. You take care. Andrea Horvath, the NDP leader of the official opposition in Ontario. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 